Requiem of the Outcast Special Interview Edition. The Podfather, Adam Curry. Hi, I'm Adam Curry, and words were never truer when spoken when I say I'm an outcast. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We know you're out there. Rejects from society. Artists. Writers. Poets. Filmmakers. Get off the couch. Make something. The world is waiting to hear your voice. And so are we. We are the Requiem of the Outcast. Are you an outcast? Hey everybody, this is Rich Siegfried. This is right after StellarCon. I have in front of me a, a, a name and face that, uh, to be honest, I am, I am humbled to be in front of. <laughs> I'm just totally just talking him up right now, hoping that I'll it's get working. embarrassed. Keep going. <laughs> oh, it's working. I like I'm, it. You are the podfather. Clearly, iPods and MP3 fo- file formats were created specifically for you to come along and kind of revolutionize the industry, sir. <laughs> <clears throat> well, thank you. That's a, that's a great compliment. Um, I, and no, seriously, I think that uh, you know a lot of things happen for a reason and happen at a right time. And, you know, I've been uh, a media sexpert uh, <laughs> for uh, for many years, and you know, and I've been I've done pirate radio, pirate television, you know, uh, mainstream um, clubs, you know, music, talk, all different forms and genres. Um, and for me, as a broadcaster, it was so incredibly liberating to find out that there was an audience that was interested in, um, you know, um, uh, everything that we weren't allowed to do on the on the on the official stations. You know, MTV, all the good shit never made it on the air. I, mean, I got outtake reels that are awesome, you know, really really funny shit. That if I, you know, I know that it'd be a big problem if you put it up on YouTube or on Podshow or something like that, but well, you know, uh, you I can, really should. It you can be. do the uh, Joe Francis route, you know, I mean, he yeah. did, the guy does uh, Girls Gone Wild. I mean, he started off by doing all the B-roll from newsreels. Well, we actually have a, a show format in mind, which is called Girls uh, Girls Gone Tech. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to the calendar already. Yeah, I think it would work. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, if you haven't recognized that voice yet, uh, that is uh, podcasting's Adam Curry. Right on. Your credentials uh, long uh, run long. Everything from in traditional media with Headbangers Ball, correct? And, yeah, and, I, did, uh, a whole, I worked at MTV for seven years. I did a lot of stuff uh, for them, all different kinds of shows. Um, did uh, start off in radio hmm. uh, in Europe, and then started doing some television in Europe, and um, yeah, done uh, syndicated radio in the states. I mean, ne- actually, never really done much acting, uh, but otherwise, anything that. It has to do with radio or television. I've done some version of it. I'm old, so I had a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Were you around for the beginning of MTV? No. no I started no. in 81, uh, and I wasn't there in 81. But what happened is around 86, uh, 87 actually, uh, when I was there, MTV got cleared into 40 million homes. You know, that was a big deal. when They, they went basic cable. Um, uh, I don't remember which, because they were like Time Warner in the beginning. And then they just got signed. You know, basically what MTV did in the uh, in the late '80s is convince cable stations to carry their signal. Yeah, and we were part of that. We do affiliate relations. You know, yeah. go off to you know some cable company. Some guy had you know, maybe hundred thousand homes and thought he was NBC, and you know we have to wine and dine him and uh, <laughs> jerk him off to get them to put MTV on the on the cable. And it's not very different in many ways from the evangelism that uh, that takes place in podcasting. You know. I learned a lot about the commercial aspect of broadcasting mm. at MTV. Uh, of course, America is without a doubt the the mecca of uh, commercial media. Uh, you know, in, in the states, you know, we we know how to make it, we know how to distribute it, and we know how to monetize it. Uh, unfortunately, in the past fifteen twenty years, it became so formatted and mm. and structured that it's I think without us really knowing, it kind of snuck up and became really boring. And that's what this revolution, I think, is mainly about. Forget the people who want to make something. The audience is hungry for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what excites me. Is like there's an audience. People are like they're, they're into this shit. Absolutely. And that is very very exciting. 
I mean, I've always uh, thought and gone on record every chance I get saying that I think podcasting is the bohemian revolution of our generation, that it is something that is changing art uh, in a way, not just via distribution, but it's in, a, in its creation. Because yep. now you have so many people just willing to try anything mm -hmm. just to get out there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, over time, we're, I think that we're really going to see that even mainstream media, which, of course, is catching on now by so many of the, uh, the, the networks releasing specialized content or just mm -hmm. retooling already mm -hmm. uh, pre-broadcast content, that they're going to it's, – it's going to affect them because they realize that's what the audience wants. Oh, they're already, they're already affected by it and they, they're already responding to it. I, I totally agree. Um, and what's really happened is, you know, since the early 80s, we, you know, tools started to improve. You know, we got camcorders, mm -hmm. you know, so out went the Super 8 millimeter, you know, uh, film camera. In came, uh, you know, VHS and, uh, and, yet, and a lot of content was created. Yeah, a lot of it was, you know, my family, your family, Disneyland, here we are, smile. Yeah. But that stuff basically wants to be distributed. If those were know? the first video blogs. I mean, let's face True. it. True. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people, you know, it goes back to slides. You know, your, your mm -hmm. crazy uncle had his fucking slideshow. You're like, oh, God damn it, you know. No <laughs> fast forward button on Uncle Joe's slideshow. Um, so we have that now. You know, we've got Uncle Joe's slideshow, but we got a fast forward button and we got a feedback mechanism. So, and distribution, that's, that's very exciting. It is... Uh, what they call uh, what they call a blue sky proposition, I think. You know, we're not really competing with with mainstream media. We're making them irrelevant. Absolutely, that's what's happening here. And I think um, one of the the groups that really seems to be latching onto that and trying to adjust for it is Saturday Night Live. I mean, they've sucked for years, but when they hired. Um Oh, I can't think of their names now. Uh, the guys from the Lonely Island boy, or the, the Lonely Island, they were a uh, web-only uh, content creators mm. from Channel One Hundred One, mm -hmm. right? And uh, they were the ones that would just create some really funny videos, put them out there. And when SNL brought them on, at one point in time, they just kind of they went up to I guess Lauren Michaels and said, "Hey, look, why don't you just give us a camera and let us go do stuff?" Mm -hmm. And that was the the genesis of the SNL digital shorts. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that hit YouTube and yeah, go nuts. That's what made YouTube. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And and you know uh, NBC, you know they they start to realize that they've got a market. At first, they just nixed everybody putting those up there, and then they realized, wait a second, why don't we do a channel? And, you know, I think that that's kind of the – that's one of the uh, areas of transition because you've got shows like Battlestar Galactica that releases commentaries for all of their episodes online. Mm -hmm. They also, much like uh, Doctor Who, the the new series, they will release specific web-only episodes mm -hmm. as well as the commentaries too for the episodes. Mm -hmm. um, they'll even throw out the occasional writer's roundtable mm -hmm. so you can kind of get in the head of the, the creators of it to kind of get a feel for it. And with mainstream media doing that, um, you know, I'm almost wondering when things are going to almost be monopolized because right now it seems almost like a, it's almost like a fight for the soul of of the art um, because you see a lot of people that and I don't have a problem with people uh, monetizing podcasts as long as they're not that's not their sole goal because that's when the that's when it becomes too much like the trans uh, the traditional media that we're trying to get past. Mm. Now, with that kind of thought process, of course, being the major paying market, you know, what's kind of your take on that? Um, do you feel that with what you're doing, is it kind of a, is it a, a threat or a menace? Or do you feel that you are really, and I mean, I think that you are, but, you know, do you feel that you're really trying to expand it while rewarding the creators? Well, um, my partner and I, uh, Ron, Ron Bloom, uh, we were retired. We didn't have to work. We were done. We had a very successful company uh, in the 90s, uh, which we sold uh, in 99 when everyone said we were crazy. And two months later, we were the smartest guys in the world. Nice. Everyone was like, you know, selling their cars and stuff. <laughs> and um, and we really decided to to get back together and do this because it, this is what has excited us for the almost 15 years we've known each other. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's a, a musician, a producer. Uh, you know, show business, and we've both been successful in mainstream. Uh, we both got fucked by Hollywood, hmm. um, and you know the one thing's for sure is you can't build an industry like this without money flowing somehow. Sure. Um, we're not big believers in. Well, let's put it this way: our expertise is not in like um, AdSense type uh, insertions. Uh, although we do it, but we're much more interested in um, uh, in building audience, mm -hmm. 
because if you have audience, everything else flows. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we focus on the most. And in order to help people build audience, you know, they have to give something up to do it. Oh, true. So that'll take some kind of compensation. I think that's really the stage that we're in. Um, well, especially since, you know, we as creators are giving the content away for free. So then you can you can uh, forgive some advertisements and whatnot because if we're paying, you know, we're getting it for free, but the creator isn't doing it for free. You know, it's one of those things that it's just that's just part of the the business. That's just part of the, right. the game, really. Well, we're we're still very much in investment mode, um, you know, because we invest in a lot of properties. We have, uh, I think, a thousand shows that we have you know real agreements with. We have you know like six thousand on the network, but a lot of those are just you know sign up and just use the free hosting agreement. I gotcha. Uh, but about a thousand are are really, um, you know, we're really managing. The properties, however, you know we can or whatever agreements we have, um, and, it, and you know it takes uh, time, effort, a lot of time, effort, a lot um, to help these uh, these. I just call them producers because it's you know it can be the a producer can be the host, a producer can be a podcast. It doesn't really matter. Um, uh, you know we're we're really investing to help them, you know, create something, and that mm-hmm. something is an audience. And when you have an audience, that's highly desirable for advertisers, which is the only way I believe that we can really monetize on it uh, because we have an opportunity to change advertising. That's a much longer process, mm-hmm. but advertisers are not stupid. Uh, you know, and this this whole, you know, CPM, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm not interested in that. I don't care about, you know, the way Rever and, and, and Blip or whoever, you know, and what maybe mm-hmm. YouTube will do. I'm just not interested. I'm interested in people who are producing serialized content, so they're building and maintaining an audience. And that relationship between a producer and the audience, which is not uniform, I have a different relationship with my audience than you have with your audience, you know, you know what and how you can sell something to them. Mm-hmm. And that's different for everybody. But it's very, very effective because even if you said, hey, you know, I got this the sponsor and you know just listen to the message because you know it's keeping me in business people appreciate that and people actually go and buy products because of that it's true you know just like bands you know we knew very early on when we started the Podsafe music network people want to support bands they love it you know they'll they'll listen to a song they'll download a song and they'll say yeah I'm going to support these guys and they'll, they'll go and buy something mm-hmm. that is um, a new culture it's, and it's a, it's a very important one it's beautiful that people want to support each other with very minimal investment to, to help them you know move along true now, how many how many sensei coffee makers have you put have you have you sold a lot <laughs> hundreds hundreds mm-hmm. um, you know, I haven't done the sensei in a long time and it was and it was early days yeah because that was one of the first ones right yeah and, and it was just but it wasn't an ad it was just I, I like sensei I never, never got paid for it it was a personal endorsement that okay it was just that. to prove That's true. that I could sell shit yeah and making a joke out of it by yeah. you know programming you to think of it when I burped and it worked, you know. And that's and that's totally that's illegal even in in mainstream. You're not yeah. allowed to do subliminal True. messages like that. So and it was totally never got paid a dime. It's funny because someone from the ad agency I saw an ad age, I don't know, about a year ago, who works on the Senseo account actually took credit. Yeah, you know, we got to, you know we set up a deal with Adam Curry. I was like, what the fuck? You know, I don't know you. You never paid me anything. I did it in my own accord. I bought my own Senseo machines. Uh, but that, of course, to me said, "All right, that's interesting. Yeah. If people are willing to take credit for it, yeah. then they're willing to do more." Well, what's funny is that there, apparently there's some cross promotion because every time I see a Senseo coffee maker, I think of you. So. Yes. Well, this is this is what I uh, what I learned um, in the reverse. You're right. Uh, whenever someone burps, they think of the daily source code. When they hear a lighter click, they think of the daily source code. <laughs> so this has been this is stuff that I never knew. You know, I, I n- never tried it out. This is completely new to me. And it's fascinating. And I think a lot of it is because you do it with humor. Humor always sticks. You know, uh, far more than than any kind of a serious yeah, commercial. I hope could. so. Yeah, I hope so. Which I, I have to ask. I have to ask. Did you really try to make <laughs> pot tea? Really? Did you really put marijuana in the Senseo coffee maker and try <laughs> try to make a tea out of that? Yeah, but I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the right. You, know, you have these kits where you can make your own little bag. I didn't really have that, so it was kind of like a, a Jerry rig type thing, and it was not very successful. <laughs> it's better. It's better to do it the Jamaican way. You know, just boil that sucker up real slow for about an hour, let it all seep in, and then. Uh, 
and then add a little bit of tea flavor and go for it. That's much. <laughs> I, I recommend that over the Senseo system. Which let's let's talk a little bit about the daily source code. I, I know that there were quite a few times where, of course, you know, I first heard about the lascivious biddies um, mm-hmm. and your fetish for women with bases. Um, <laughs> Which kind of uncomfortable? Cellos, but, cellos. Uh, or, it was cellos, cellos. That's right, cellos, cellos. cellos. But, but stand up, stand up bases. Yeah. good enough. <laughs> but you know, you you've done a lot, uh, obviously, with the um, the music mashes also. Mm-hmm. And have you have you had any uh, legal repercussions from that, or anybody mentioning anything no, about that? No, none whatsoever. Never. There was a, a point where I said, okay, I got to go pod safe full time because I did get some messages that okay. I was going to be made an example of. Um, um, biggest, which, biggest fish in the sea, and this is really why when when you know when I when I started, I was pretty much promoting the fact of, you know don't play any fucking music, just don't because right now it's the last thing we need is for this wonderful thing that we're figuring out, which doesn't have a name yet, yeah. uh, to be branded as piratry. You know I, that would kill it for sure. Hmm. Um, that would you know I don't think that would be that would have been a good thing. And from that also came the idea for the Podsafe Music Network. So um, no, I've never. Uh, you know, it's funny because the every day I'll receive a track from, uh, you know, a licensed track, so like a mainstream record label or something, mm-hmm. and say, hey, man, you know, will you play this and don't worry about it. And I'm sure they're not going to sue me if I play it, but it's so hypocritical. That's what I was about to ask, if yeah, you feel so, like it's... So I don't, I don't do that. I mean, I love what I really miss about uh, what we're doing, and just the radio in general, is there's no history of, of music. It's just going away. You know, how are you going to mm-hmm. discover... The Doobie Brothers. If you're, you know, a 15 year old kid and you got yeah. like Napster or you know maybe Yahoo Music Engine or you know iTunes, how are you going to discover that? You're not. You go through a fucking recommendation that says, oh, if you like 50 Cent, you're going <laughs> to like the, you love the Doobie Brothers. And it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'd say no. the system was broken if that's what you got. But well, well okay. Yeah, yeah. But I believe strongly <laughs> in the recommendations of your buddy. You know, if your buddy says, hey, this is cool, go check it out and listen to it, and they'll play it again tomorrow. And, you know, people go, oh, okay, yeah. you know, and that really does work. So I'm I'm sad. I'm really sad that old catalog just mm-hmm. is dying off without being played on the radio or really on podcasts. Now, do you have uh, you know the tech side of uh, the podcast music network? Do you have uh, a, re- a like a suggestions or anything on the site? Like if you like these guys or recommendations, no. Or whatever. No. Uh, well, with with you just speaking about that, is that something that you think about implementing? Well, we have a version of it which I like very much. I mean, the recommendation is the podcaster is playing it. That's okay. what it's about. With the network, um, so if you click on a link um, uh, into someone's show notes and it takes you to you know the the mm-hmm. page for this artist. It says other shows that have played this track. Okay. So that is a recommendation. That that is telling you listen to the show. There may be other songs you like in that show okay. because the, this show played the song you just liked and the whole reason you came here. So mm-hmm. that is kind. That's really a social network in a social social media network. True. Um, and that is pretty much the extent of, of what we're doing. And all the other stuff, I, I just don't care. I'm not going to take my recommendations. And, you know, we're building it for ourselves, so, you know, the way we want it, so I might as well do it right. Um, and there's enough of that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that last FM type stuff, which is really good, and, that, and, and it serves a, a great purpose. But it's the same as automated radio stations. You know, it, there's no soul. So it's it's really different when you have um, your iTunes saying, you know, if you like this artist, check this artist out versus, dude, this is so fucking cool. You've got to check these motherfuckers out. (laughs) And what are you going to do? Oh, you know, I should go and listen to that or I should go and look at that. That, So that's what I mean with recommendation engines. We are we truly are the best as human beings because, you know, I can communicate to you exactly what I mean. And, you know, a, a, a list of songs with little message there it's not the same well I mean and let's face it uh, most people structure, structure their show because they don't know any better as if they were just sitting around with their friends just like across the table from them Yeah. and so when you've got one of your buddies telling you about this amazing uh, song it just makes sense that you'd go check it out you know? and with uh, with these recommendation engines they rarely recommend something from the past that influenced this so I can listen to you know, Panic at the Disco, and I can say, well, you know, listen to these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a song from 20 years ago that is clearly an influence. You know, that's not what these systems do. They recommend mm-hmm. something 
Yeah, not an influence, but almost cross yeah, instead of Yeah, exactly. D, right? Exactly. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Pod Show itself. Now, one thing that, that has come up a few times is that, and this is kind of a, on the tech side of it, um, that it seems like you can't really have multiple podcasts under a single user account. Is that is that true? Is no, no, you, you, know, you can have as many as you want. If, if you log in, uh, so you, first you set up a profile. Mm-hmm. And, and then you be a set, personal. Yeah, and then, and then okay. I want to start a show. Mm-hmm. And you can start as many as you want. Oh, okay. Yeah, as many as you want. Um, it's just create a new show. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's right there. Okay. Make a new show. Yeah, I, I think it's always been in there. I think okay. so. Yeah, because I, I personally don't have an account set up on Podshow. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just got uh, quite a few friends because, of course, when I had the uh, found out I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to you, I hit up uh, you know every podcaster buddy I know <laughs> and was like, hey, if you could ask him a question, what would you ask? Okay, and, okay. and what was funny is you know nobody took it seriously at first because like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I was like, no, no seriously. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure so, you, you can because uh, I, I do it all the time. I have test feeds. and Yeah, but you're Adam fucking Curry. I mean, come on. Yeah, but it, I just go <laughs> through the same system. You know, I was like, oh, create a new show. And it works. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's okay. That's there. Now, with with Podshow, obviously, you said that there are some that that you have contracts with. Mm-hmm. That there, there's a, a pay model there. What did you model that structure on, and a little bit about the contracts? Because I think since there's no uh, public version of the contract, because those are a business deal, I think a lot of people have some uh, preconceived notions about it, mm-hmm. maybe some misconceptions about sure, that. Sure. If you'd like to, just go ahead and uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, there's, uh, we don't really have one set contract because this is a very fluid marketplace and a lot of things are changing. But we have some basic principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, above all, we're not interested in... Um, in creative control. We have no creative control over ex- unless it's a show that we actually produce ourselves and we do have a couple that, that we're doing in-house so obviously we create that so we, no, sure. we have our own creative control. Um, but uh, it's like Port City PD. I don't tell them what to write. I don't tell them you know, what storylines to keep. You know, All I say is build the audience. That's all, that's all that we care about. Build the audience. Everything else happens from there. Hollywood comes knocking. Money comes flowing. It's just build an audience. That's all that it is. Regardless of content, if you have, you know, you can have X-rated explicit shit, advertisers will come if you've got a big enough audience. And sure. and, and if it's the right audience is also important. Um, so in we have a couple different versions of it. We have, uh, I think we call it Producer Plus, which is essentially participating in, uh, in different campaigns. Some campaigns will give people a set amount just to participate, mm-hmm. so X amount per month just for, for being on the program. Um, there can be conversion goals, bonuses, all kinds. You know, we have to achieve so many uh, listeners or conversion. Uh, like GoDaddy is a is a good example. It's very successful. For, oh, I got for you. Where you're, where you're, you know, okay. You send someone somewhere to buy something right. to register for something. Okay, and that's very valuable to uh, to add or to try a product you know, mm-hmm. to, to say send me some Splenda or send me a Folgers. You know, it's very much like direct response. Sure. Um, and uh, we have people making you know like five figures a month on that shit. They're out of control. Nice. A, a couple, but it's like I've seen checks go by. I'm like, what? <laughs> You know, it's like, that's more than I make at the company. <laughs> uh, you just bought a plane too, didn't you? No, I've had it for a while, but you know, it's, it's not a huge plane. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> is that how you're kind of justifying it in your brain? It's not a big plane. No, it's not a big plane. <laughs> then we have uh, we do licensing deals. So um, in the attic, which is Pete Townsend and his girlfriend who do these uh, acoustic <laughs> sets uh, in their Airstream trailer. Um, we we have that exclusively, so we just pay them per episode, and uh, they cut special stuff for the advertisers if there's a campa- campaign that they uh, they're a part of. And in that case, we pay them a license fee, which is recoupable to us. So any money comes in, we take our license fee back first, and uh, and then we have different arrangements over a split above that. We have. Uh, an increasing number of people who literally uh, have quit their day job have set up uh, or we set up for them a production company an LLC we uh, help them manage it you know the hmm. finances a lot of crap when you got a company oh, definitely. A, lot of, a lot of tax hassle and shit make sure they have benefits hmm. uh, that kind of stuff and those are pretty pretty deep investments for us because you know sure. here we you know we've got people producing and um, certainly a year ago most of them at a loss uh, for you know, for overall income, but what we're really good at is selling. You know? So it's like this coming week, I'm in New York all week, just 
at agencies, advertisers, you know, just going by and just selling the shit. You know, that's someone's got to sell it, and we do not believe in the well. This is going to be relevant. We'll stick your ad in here. Yeah, we do a blend of that. We do have some some insertions, but much more powerful is the host endorsement. Much True. much more and much more valuable. Mm-hmm. Much more valuable. Um, so those people basically um, they produce. Um, regular output, whatever agreement we have with them, and the same thing. You know, we uh, we recoup uh, our investment, so you know, production fees, salaries, which can, yeah, that can be a hundred grand a year, easy. Uh, we do have uh, several of those, uh, but now some of those are paying off. Geek Brief TV is a great oh, example. Absolutely, that's a that's a huge hit for us. It's really really good, and you know, Cali basically. Um, kind of showed up or, or appeared on the radar when she ran out of bandwidth and I said well you know shit use our network and then uh, you know, just kind of watched it and we said hey you know I like this uh, what would it take for you to to do this full time and uh, you know so we uh, we set up an agreement those those are really yeah those are really the uh, the basic agreements that we have as I, as I said you know it's not like this sets the confusion we're not a factory. We're not a. We're not a rever. That's what it seems like. People where you, where about. you have uh, <clears throat> terms of service, and you know you wait every first Friday of the mm-hmm. month for your ten dollar check to come in. Mm-hmm. We're just not interested in that. I'm not interested in in a faceless company. I want to know who's producing, mm-hmm. and I want to. I love um, interacting with them, helping them, uh, and we have a. a a large staff who does a lot of things to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've spoken to some of them with Port City PD because I also mm-hmm. I was originally producing the feed. I, God, I thought you guys were working me out of a job with these guys when uh, when they went to Pod Show. Oh, well, we weren't trying to. <laughs> Damn you, Curry! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, and I mean I've had interaction with those guys and they've been really good. Mm-hmm. I mean they they they're quick. They get on it. So you know it's not like I think some people might worry about because it's grown to be so large that they're just. Just somebody else in the the production line, but now one of the one of the things that I had heard uh, again, you know, like I said, a lot of preconceived notions mm-hmm. was that, and I, I think you pretty much answered it, was that people were worried that they would lose the the rights to their creation or no. anything further uh, that they may have made. No. Do, do you think that that was just kind of people um, taking what is the fear of traditional media and applying it to the well, first uh, you know uh, monolith that came out? You know. Th- th- it's like uh, this is very much uh, – it's very cultural. Uh, it's so hard to, to pin it down why there's a lot of loud voices that are uh, against us. And a lot of it has to do with the money. Um, yeah, first of all, when people say, oh, you, know, you got VC money, I said, well, you know, first of all, my partner and I each put a million bucks into the company to get it started. Mm-hmm. You know, no one ever talks about that. You know, where's your million bucks? You know? <laughs> and, you know, and that basically went into creating the PodSafe Music Network, getting our first right. show signed, you know, like the first 12 or the Pod Squad, whatever we had. That was all out of our own pocket. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a very bad idea, I've learned from experience, to invest all of your own money and not take outside funding if you need the capital. Yeah. We're also East Coast guys, so we like building companies where you know you get some revenue in and then you hire another sales guy and you go out and sell some more and you yeah. kind of, you know. Now, in order to get to the market fast enough, um, it became very attractive to us uh, to entertain uh, investment. And we were never even interested in uh, venture capital. Um, but uh, through Bear Stearns, who uh, we sold our previous company through them, uh, they said, well, you should really talk to these guys. Look, we're only interested if you can get, get us like the Google team or something. And guess what? That's exactly what we wound up with, with uh, Kleiner Perkins, Sequoia, and uh, Ram Sharam. And now we have DAG as a follow-on investor. Nice. Um, and, you know, that's, people think very lightly of that process. It took us a year, you know. And, True. And, and this board is an amazing board. They actually can make things happen, not just for us, but for our industry in general. That's really what's the most money is you can get from anywhere. But to get it from people who have this type of experience, you know, I'm really happy about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you go look at a terms of service and, and you, you know, look at a EULA. I mean, essentially, the language that is, uh, that is in our terms of service is, you know, it's like we can copy and distribute and do all this stuff. And, you know, but it's also very clear that if you take your stuff off, <clears throat> you know, then your stuff is gone. 
And in the two years that we've been around, I don't think there's been one complaint of us stealing something from someone or, or treating good. them unfairly. I, I don't know of any examples of anyone saying, hey, I really got fucked by Podshow. So, you know, I think people, uh, if, if they want to understand a contract, they should, A, get their hands on an original contract from us, not take your advice from some clowns doing a podcast, <laughs> and, uh, and get some legal advice. And, you know, and look, our, so that kind of gets back to our, our mission, you know, grow the audience. We just want to enable people to be creative and with everybody, with every single deal we, we do, there's an out. There is an out. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, hey, if we don't do this for you by X, you know, perform X, Y, or Z for you or for your show, then walk away, mm -hmm. you know, after uh, six months or a year. Uh, if we do perform, then we want, you know, we want a, an option for another two years. And really, that option is just exclusive marketing rights mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, sell it to advertisers. And by the way, everyone has the right to refuse an ad. If they don't like it, oh, good. And it's not going to work any. It's not, if, if you can't sell it to your audience, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. You know, so now, of course, if you refuse everything and nothing works, then we probably weren't made for each other. Then we right. should reevaluate that. Mm -hmm. um, but again, uh, <laughs> everybody who has a contract, I think, is pretty happy. That's good to hear, like, because you know, I mean, I know that a lot of people they're they're n not necessarily just looking to um, monetize, but looking to expand their listener base. And getting the Pod Show stamp of approval carries a little bit of weight. So, mm -hmm. but now I did want to. Um, I, I think I'd be remiss in asking. Obviously, a lot of people have heard about the bad blood between uh, the Pod Podcast Expo and Pod Show. Mm -hmm. Well, bad blood, I think, is is overstated. Okay. Um, and if you look back, you'll see that I always said, we're not interested in conferences mm -hmm. because conferences always suck. And, and it's, it's not of interest to us. It's not for our business. Uh, we're interested in audience, not in podcasters. You know, that's, so for us, it's a, a place to go and, and meet people because they're there and mm -hmm. uh, tell them the pod show story. I'm not going to do that in a booth. Right, but really, when when a lot of these things started up, like Podcast User Magazine and the Portable Media Expo, mm -hmm. it was almost like expected. So, Adam, you'll show up, or Adam, you know, Podshow will sponsor uh, this, or you'll buy an ad in our magazine. I said, well, why should I? It's like, no, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not that kind of a leader where we're, you know, we're going to go and help you with all your little businesses for, that has no business sense for us. When you have a real audience, yeah. Now we have sponsored some things that that we think uh, are worthwhile. Um, but for Portable Media Expo, it's like Comdex or, uh, bad example, uh, CES. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there's the trade show floor, but have you seen the fucking suites around that place? Oh, yeah. the, the, the parties and where the real deals happen? Yeah. So that's what we're, that's what we were emulating. You know, we, yeah. we want to have it. And I think it's good. I think it, it should be, okay, there's something else cool going on. But yeah, we, we supported the first one. We flew Podsafe uh, music artists in. We paid for Brother Love and Chance and... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't directly associated with the Portable Media Expo, but that's a conference. It's a, a conference company, you know. And you have to do the keynote. Well, I don't really like doing keynotes. Mm. You know, I don't. You don't see me at keynotes. And people automatically took that as you kind of being a snob in the yeah, process, of instead of, of course. And maybe, and maybe I am a bit snobbish, but I just don't see the benefit to us yeah. of uh, of. Having a booth, you know, yeah. what's the point? Uh, let's I, have a party. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people, uh, you know. Obviously, with with the Podfather name and you know everything that you have done Which, for podcast, I, I, didn't I, I give know, myself I know, I know, I, I love it, but I didn't give it to myself. But I think that's why I think people just assume that you'll uh, not necessarily take the responsibility. It's almost like uh, having a big brother stand up for you. You know, I, I think it's one of those things where they're hoping that because you've done so much for the the medium, that you'll just automatically sweep in and try to keep doing instead of people realizing that you are now a businessman in the podcasting which i said from day one so yeah. we're going we're going this for the commercial aspect mm -hmm. made no secrets about that uh tim and his brother they do a great expo which is for commercial reasons and they're expanding mm -hmm. and that's growing and it's fantastic but it wasn't originally podcast. It was just portable media expo, right? So, yeah. that, and that was just promoting and kind of like you know players and whatnot, and then podcasting just as a as a, a medium came but, in. And but you know how conferences work, right? Oh, yeah. You know, usually you pay for a spot sure. to speak. I'm not interested. Yeah. I speak what, to my audience every single day through my show. Right. What are you going to gain from that? Because I mean, you know, are you going to get more listeners? No. Everybody knows who you are. Right. So I think I think I can understand that, but I don't think a lot of people realize that. 
I think that may have been why. So you know, no, but yeah, and and then people just—it's like telephone. You know, people. Mm-hmm. You know, if I told you something, whispered something in your ear before right. you told it to the fourth person in this building, it would be different. Yeah, and so you know, that's why you know, it's like, oh, you snubbed them, and you know. Uh, which is why I appreciate you talking about it here, you know. I've, but I've always said exactly the same thing. Right. It's it's no different. Um, it's really very much like any conference where we wanted to have a cool place. So we did a poolside, we did a hotel suite. We can, you know, I really just so we don't even interrupt the conference. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that on a booth. You want to get a booth. Well, yeah, and then let's face it. The, the we promote it. We we've done shows from yeah. it. We, we we put a lot of money into yeah. sending people there, uh, free. Didn't ask anyone for any money. We paid for that. Well, yeah. conferences are and, and conventions uh, very much alike. Where the organizers they provide uh, something to do during the day, mm-hmm. but you've got to provide the fun aspect, and that mm-hmm. seems like what you were trying to do. You were trying to provide the area that people can go to take a break from the pitches. Well, that's what I call the unconference. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, come on by, hang out. If you're interested in our story, we're interested in your story. And that's basically right. it, you know. And so if people think that's unfair to the conference or something, well, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's it's just the conference th- doesn't really do anything for us except make people feel happy for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, but in a very small community, a couple thousand people. I, I speak to those same people and many, many more every day. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's just not for us. And I've said that, you know, it's like we're not in the conference business. We don't speak at them. Got no time for it. I, I, I didn't go this year. I, just, I had no time to go. So, um, Well, we've only got just a few more minutes left. Nah, don't worry about Richard. we got to go. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, you're out. Keep going. Curry. I mean, what's somebody going to do? Fucking hey. That's right. <laughs> I got to take a shower though. my hair got really fucked up with this. Uh, I was wondering. It didn't, it didn't seem as, as, uh, as, as glorious as, you know. Well, did you see it earlier? They had so. a completely slick back. No, I didn't. That's why you can still see these streaks. Yeah, yeah and it made a very different yeah. look for me. Actually, I was here. F- I got here five minutes before you came into the room. Oh, okay. About ten minutes. So. Yeah, so. <clears throat> yeah, literally. I was, you know, straight from coming from StellarCon. Got out of the van, kind of stretched my legs a little mm-hmm. bit and started setting up. But since, since we were just speaking about, you know, just kind of uh, clearing the air, I was wondering if you wanted to say something about uh, what happened with Wikipedia. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, everybody's got different stories about it. Well, the story is very simple. I saw a couple things uh, on the wiki page for podcasting, which I really, I don't really look at Wikipedia, and I just disagreed with them. Two main things was, one was uh, that uh, the name pod, podcasting had... Uh, started when Dave Weiner and I were doing a show called Trade Secrets, the first podcast. I'm like, no, that's wrong. And then there was another one, which uh, in hindsight I was wrong about, that um, uh, a guy named, uh, oh shit, I just forgot his name, but that uh, he had actually uh, shown a RSS feed going into iTunes at, uh, at a conference. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's not true because I, I wrote that. And so I deleted that mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't log in or anything. It was just, you know, just you didn't have to log in. You, know, you could just change it, like right. edit, okay. And as I changed it, and then I refreshed the page, it was like back, and I, I and I didn't understand. I and at one point I erased the whole thing. I was like click, and then you know it came back. And of course, what happened was there were like ten people on the other side who were. It was like a wiki war. I didn't even know it. <laughs> so uh, you know, so you know, so I deleted those two things and left it. And um, so, what is the, he worked? He worked for a Technorati. Come on, he's an English guy. Uh, uh, Chuck. Oh, I feel so bad. Chuck. Well, no, look, look it up on uh, Wikipedia. I'll just do an impression of you and edit that in. Right. Very good. <laughs> it'll it'll come to me as I tell the story. Uh, I guess they went searching for who had made who was pulling him out of the story, mm-hmm. and 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 this uh, this thing about trade secrets, and so. It was just on my own IP address, my dedicated line at home, and so that shows up as Adam Curry with my uh, with my address and phone number, which I didn't know actually was in those records, but that's okay. And then Charles Cadenhead uh, wrote, and and I really um, I really blame him for this. He wrote with quite a bit of authority um, that I had been editing the wiki page. To trump up my own role, which is yeah, precisely what I had heard, right? But it's—I mean—that's not true. I, I was only trying to contribute to something that I actually thought I knew something about. And it turns out, if you know something, uh, then you're not allowed to contribute. 
if you're not allowed to, to write your own bio, you're not allowed to contribute to things that you know about. And you know, this is and you see what's happened now. This is I'm not the first. I, I wasn't the first. I'm not going to be the last. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's not even taken seriously. But the meme, but the meme was set, and and uh, Rogers Cadenhead did that, and uh, and uh, it's very unfortunate. But you know what? What are you going to do? Does you know people will believe that? So yeah. I just have to live with it. It hurts. It really, really hurts because. Uh, you know, people saying I'm a liar and uh, I'm not, you know, and there's totally no benefit of the doubt. And that's where I really saw this huge pile jump. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so that's the way it's going to be. You know, what are you going to do? Uh-huh. And, you know, then you become a shady character. And, you know, I've had about a thousand employees in my professional career in my own companies. And, you know, they're not jumping up and saying he's a shady character and a dickhead and, and he yeah. ripped me off. And he, I don't think you'll find anyone. Well, I, I heard that you have their children. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Firstborn <laughs> only, though. So oh, well, Wikipedia. I'm yeah. not put that so, up. so yeah, and now if you look at Wikipedia, yeah. Pod Show is not even mentioned in Wikipedia. It's gone so far to the left that I have I have like two lines in there, yeah. and uh, and I don't think correct as to what I contributed to the process. And you know, it was all these companies and all these networks, and Pod Show's not even listed. So it's it's clearly yeah. you know it's a biased. Thing. Well, it seems to it seems to have a, a pretty harsh bias against uh, independent creators, also, because most podcasters don't have pages on there because when they add them, they get deleted immediately. Yeah, it's like the Internet Movie Database. Mm. And I was just hearing from these guys that they got kicked off IMDb because you know their stuff hasn't actually shown at an officially accredited function or something. It's like BS. I've I've seen lots of I've seen you know fan films that are listed on IMDb. All you have to do is pay and you get on there. Yeah, well, unless they're trying to tighten things now. It could be, could be, I don't know, but Un- unless they've crossed that line between fan creation and professional creation because I think that's that's something that podcasters uh, face a lot because it's it's that blending between amateur and professional. If you if you aren't getting paid for it, you're not a professional. You must be an amateur, even though you've got plenty of years and years of experience, mm-hmm. and you're promoting a specific product. You should be a professional. So it, it seems like it's that people don't really know how to, how to really classify things. Well, technically, you know, uh, amateur <laughs> is uh, for labor of love, mm-hmm. and professional means that there's uh, you know there's some uh, some other type of reward for it. Uh, and I think we're all. Uh, Pro amateurs, in a way, mm-hmm. you know. I, I when I was on MTV, I didn't feel like I was different than you know than a, a, a local cable access show. You know, mm-hmm. I happily watched Robin Bird on Channel J in New York. You know, <laughs> was that amateur? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I just don't see it that black and white mm-hmm. amateur. It doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. All, all I'm saying is, um, if you really know about something <laughs> and you see it written somewhere that it doesn't make sense to you, then probably the other information you'll get from that source may also not be correct. It's like the newspaper. You know, if you read an interview with yourself, yeah. you're like, what the fuck, man? I didn't, I didn't say it that way. I didn't mean it that way. That's not true. That didn't happen that way. My yeah. name is spelled wrong. You know, so when that's wrong, what about the other stories on the same page? Mm-hmm. You know, is that going to be yeah. right? And, you know, I still will, will believe that Britney Spears is completely crazy, but I don't really know. I don't really know what's going on with her. I don't. You know, it's a story, a soap opera is created, and we do it for all types of celebrities, big or, you know, minor. It doesn't matter. That's just, it's human nature. It is part of the internet. It is part True. of the beast. It's a very, very important part. Although, in, in regards to Britney Spears, it is kind of frightening that Kevin Federline is the one that's showing up as the more responsible one. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> again, I, I I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know her. So it's very hard. But whenever I meet people that I've had a preconceived notion about, I'm usually pretty surprised. It's like, oh, I didn't expect it to be nice. <laughs> I'll go see what Wikipedia says. Right now, I'd kind of like to talk about the the future of podcasting, uh, since you were very much there in the start. Well, actually, before we do that, what brought about podcasting? You you had a hand in in its creation, or at least it's it's. Um, not just uh, it, basically, it's distribution, correct? It started in two thousand one, early two thousand one, and um, I, you know, at the time, broadband was basically being sold as always on. You, know, you had a really crappy connection; you couldn't really get into streaming. It really wasn't working. You could leave your computer on, mm-hmm. and so I came up with a concept I called the Last Yard, which I've written about, and you can find online somewhere. 
And the idea was, and at the time I, I was blogging, I was using uh, Dave Weiner's software, even from early Frontier versions, like version four or whatever. Uh, so I knew him. And you know, my idea was, well, look, if you know, the, the six o'clock news is not produced at six o'clock, you know, the pieces that are produced five minutes before the show and pieces that are pulled off the shelf that were done five months before the show, and it's all kind of assembled. So, you know, when your computer's sitting there, wouldn't it be nice if, if all these pieces and stuff could just drip into your computer and you wouldn't even know about it because guess what we wouldn't tell you what's happening and then when something is loaded you know a hundred meg video file will tell you oh there's something new and you click on it and since you didn't have to wait the experience is immediate and awesome because it can be high quality and so a conversation i had with dave weiner in new york led to the enclosure element in rss and he's written about that so he, he won't refute that uh, and we basically played with it for a couple of years, you know, and I'd put a like a QuickTime huge MPEG something mm -hmm. in there, and then he'd see it the next morning. We'd blog about it, and no traction. And then I got an iPod, and I was very interested in not the music, but you know, it's a hard drive with a mm -hmm. player. I'm like, okay, we can do something with this. And Chris Lydon, uh, who was an XMPR guy, uh, was doing wacky interviews uh, at comp. Well, not really wacky, but he's doing interviews at conferences in Boston. And he'd been fired from public radio, so that made him interesting to me right there. <laughs> and uh, Dave was putting the MP3s into an RSS feed with enclosures. So, you know, I was like, wow, this is great. And actually, I was, uh, we were living in Belgium, but I was going to Amsterdam almost every day to do some work. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if that shit could just be ready for me in the morning on my iPod? And so I, you know, I'm not an engineer, a programmer, so I, I took about a month and I learned Apple Script. I put together an Apple script that would essentially go out, pull an RSS feed, new content, yes, download the enclosure, put it on the iPod using the the metadata, so you could have you know the, it be put in uh, in basically a channel, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a collection of episodes for a show. Um, and I, once I had that running, kind of hard coded, I immediately put it out, you know, quote open source, but on iPodder.org, and I said. Help me. I don't know how to do a config file. You know, right now I'm hard coding all these URLs. I don't know how to do it. And you know, like a whole bunch of developers just jumped in and said, oh, and the next day there was like a Python version. There was a, uh, a Perl version. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is really pretty awesome. You know, he, you know what? Maybe uh, since I was basically using each new version and saying, oh, wow. You know, one of the early things is, well, if you subscribe to a feed, what it does immediately is it starts to download the entire feed, and that you know that really fucks up your connection because True. you're downloading hundreds of, of megabytes. We should probably have it only download the most recent episode mm -hmm. and make it optional for other stuff. And I was providing this feedback. I thought, why don't I do a show, which basically is for the engineers who are going to then take that feedback to uh, make their receiver, the podcatcher, mm -hmm better because mm -hmm. I'd just done this I'd just done this this development in my own way and I and I knew that there's nothing worse than not having any content to test with because you know True. where were the RSS feeds with audio enclosures right so I said I'll make one and I'll do it daily and uh, see I'm appealing to software engineers <laughs> source code <laughs> duh daily source code <laughs> and uh, and you know that's where I met Andrew Grummet and you know uh, and uh, all these guys from iPod RX and it was great you know and and so I was just helping him um, debug their shit basically it was a very nice iterative loop every day I'd say well this this worked this didn't work you know here's my thoughts on that here's something we could do um, and then people started sending me links to their own shows I'm like oh okay maybe I should start tracking this so I built a directory mm -hmm. iPotter.org um, and uh, you know from there just I just got more and more excited about the, the prospects and I started toying around with different formats and doing different things and you know, record sound, sound seeing tours, mm -hmm. um, and people were switched on by it. So that's when I called Ron. He was in Miami, like Salem Boats or some shit. I said, "Dude, what are you doing? Salem Boats, building condos? <laughs> well, why don't we? Uh, why don't we look at this thing? I think we could really do something." So um, we went. We all went to a hotel room. Um, uh, like the first week of January, two thousand five, in Miami. Uh, Dave Weiner was there, and a couple other people who. Uh, from our pre previous companies and we said, you know, we're going to come out the other end and we'll have a company or we won't have a company and maybe yeah. not everybody will be in it. And, uh, and so we did. And like 10 days later, we, we started Podshow and we started going. It was, and it was virtual at the time and, you know, just trying to figure stuff out. But yeah. we're opportunists. Yeah. Uh, I say it straight out. We're opportunists and, uh, and we spin a lot of plates. 
you know, to keep things going. And yeah. it's a lot of work. You know, we work pretty hard hmm. trying to trying to make shit happen. So that's kind of where it came from. Um, I shy away from the podcasting moniker a bit because it's it's almost exclusionary at this point to say someone's a podcaster. You know, is Port City PD a podcast? Well, a, a podcast is merely it's a distribution method, not an art form. Yeah, but but tell that to the audience. The audience, it's already. Heard, yeah. I mean, yeah. how many people hear podcasting on an iPod? So that's not very good, right? I mean, how um, many people blow their noses with Kleenexes or you know facial tissues? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, or make a Xerox or a copy. Exactly. So, but that has kind of a not a very helpful connotation, and now I think it's being used against independently produced media. As, oh, it's just podcasting, you know, it's a little podcaster it's, yeah. stuff, you know, what's up with the podcasting? And podcasting, almost by definition, doesn't include the concept of video, which I disagree with. I, I'm always fighting every convention I go to trying to represent yeah. video. And I think, it, so I think it's very form. short-sighted to say vlogging. Or, it's like, it's a, it's yeah. a show. Port City PD is a cop show. When I say it's a cop show, you get it. Mm -hmm. You under, Okay, I got it. So how do you get it? Well, you get it by clicking on this link or you can you know have it automatically come to you or whatever you know so we're trying to find ways to speak a new message which is also very difficult very difficult to find the, a new message i know leo laporte he was trying to uh, well he wanted to change it to net kind of, right. but it's like you know, webisodes people like you, know, you don't yeah. katie Couric doesn't say you know i do a, a broadcast now i do the news you know howard stern says i do a show hmm. you know he doesn't say i do a broadcast so Broadcast, podcast, you know, it, yeah. it's just something that shouldn't really be used, I think. Now, vlogging, I have to say, actually kind of does describe very good what it is. Absolutely. You know, but Port CDPD is not a vlog. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a cop show. Yeah. I, the best uh, version I've heard uh, for video show, like a show, is vodcast. Which, you know, I mean, it's a mixture of video podcast, but uh, that seems to be one that a well, lot of people I, I try to I think it's stay. much more important to have the brand... <clears throat> Daily Source Code or Port City PD or Soccer Girl, that's a brand that's important to have in the marketplace, not podcasting. That's not really helping us. Mm. Yeah. Good point. So we, we want to focus on the on the show brands. Okay. So where we're going, of course, is global domination. <laughs> that's what I've heard this? about you. All your attempts are futile. <laughs> no, hey, you know, when this company is, uh, there will come a point uh, when this company is really rolling and, uh, you know, we have a lot of people who are very enthusiastic, very skilled, but uh, are learning media and we're relearning media because it's not all the same. No. There's some basic principles no, that, that, you know, that we know from experience. And so, even the distribution method. I mean, there's a, a, sh a website called TalkShoe. Mm -hmm. That you can, you know, you record live, it'll record it, but it broadcasts it as it's recording. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, people people are always coming up with new ways. So, you know, we really enjoy this. Pro I mean, I'd love to do a lot less of the business side. Uh, right now it's helpful if I come to sales meetings, um, but I'd like to do less of that. I'd like to, you know, I have a whole bunch of shows I want to do that I just don't have the time for. Yeah. So, you know, al already... I'm very excited about having you know, this visit here. You know, Wilmington is unbelievable when you see, you know, basically, because of a tax break structure, Hollywood is bringing a lot of their productions here. Which is good. It's like three, four hundred million dollars going into this, this market in, in this year alone. And when you have that, you get a, a subculture of people. It's very much like L.A. in the early days. You know, it's like, hey man, you, you got a call back on this, and it's all you know, One Tree Hill. Everywhere you go, it's One Tree Hill. And, <laughs> it was uh, Dawson's Creek for a while, right? Dawson's Creek, mm -hmm. exactly. And so there, there's a subculture, which is exactly what Port City PD is, or Eleven Bravo Productions, a subculture of uh, of actors and uh, producers and directors and DPs and just really creative people who are just doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, and for us, that's fantastic because uh, we want to help, and it's been a very good, uh, a very good visit here to to meet everybody and see how. You know, I think it's I think it's pretty magical what's going on here. So I look forward to you know trying to help a lot of people out. You know, we financed the past couple episodes of uh, Port City PD, and I, I know we're going to do another season with them. Um, 
Uh, and, it's, and it's not expensive, but it's not cheap. No. And it's, it's not expensive by mainstream standards, but it's, it's one of our more expensive uh, shows on a per episode basis. But it's really good. <laughs> and yeah. let's let's face it, you were you were only funding them so you could appear in an episode, isn't it? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's all a part of your domination, your ego, Mister Curry. We did actually put that in the contract just as a as a as a goof. Well, you have to though. Yeah. I mean, come on, you got an opportunity. But then they called me on it, and they said, and I was supposed to be in the previous episode, and I just, it didn't work out with timing and shit. And so I'm glad I could be in this one. Now, are you a character? Do you walk by and say, "Hi, I'm Adam Curry," and then just walk off? No, 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 no. I'm a I'm a kind of asshole. FBI agent, so I have typecasting. No, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I have a real scene, man. I got a real scene. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that was fun. It was very fun. But it was mainly I wanted to do it, see how they work because mm-hmm. I'm sure. so blown away with the quality. And you know, and now to see how they've done it, it's very advanced shit. You know, that that, you know, there's no they just shoot it with natural lighting, and mm-hmm. you know, it's all done in post. That where they get mm-hmm. their their really nice lighting effects from. It's very impressive. Very very impressive. So. You know, this is the future. People love this shit. That you know, it doesn't have to be. Look, I love, I like seeing the Queen too. You know, that was a really nice mm-hmm. movie. It's very expensive, yeah. very very expensive. Yeah, I like Lost as well. You know what Lost cost per episode? Five million dollars. Jeez, five Lord. million bucks. You know this, but it looks like five million bucks. True, true. So when you get something like Port City PD, which I think definitely looks like half a million to a million dollar an episode show, mm-hmm. we got to help them out with the, some of the. Audio sweetening, yeah. You know, that's the one thing that's really lacking from this project is uh, is the audio levels. It's very. That's right. they just don't that they don't have that person yet. Right. Yeah. That's that's one thing that they've been so talking we, about. Is so we, yeah, we <clears throat> tend to help with that. Yeah, it's it's a whole new breed. But you're willing to help. Absolutely. You're willing to make the product better, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. That's that's a very awesome thing. Well, uh, better is a very subjective, but I. Uh, there are ways that I know we can help grow the audience. Hmm. Um, technically, you know, sound is just a thing that everyone can hear it. You know, everyone agrees it's not right yet. So um, that's real easy. Let's get someone to fix that. Yeah. Um, but really, how do we market this? How do we get it to the right audience? How do we you know, create heat around? How do we create buzz? Um, that's the real job here yeah. because it's easy to create killer <laughs> fucking shows. But how do you market it? How how do you get people talking about it? How do you get that audience going? It's not just by making good shows. There's a lot more to it. Which actually, speaking of of especially video shows, um, a a very good friend of mine and usual co-host for Repping of the Outcast, he just started his uh, own series. It's the first uh, science fiction podcast made available in high def. Mm. And it's called Stranger Things. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, Sigler wrote the first episode. Oh, really? And Earl adapted it and everything. And uh, if we have time, I can go ahead and burn a copy on CD, uh, hand it to you. Because, I mean, it really is remarkable. I mean, if you think... I can download it, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's available out there. Okay. Um, I just wasn't sure how many podcasts... Yeah, what podcasts do you... uh, Well, I've built a whole bunch of channels uh, on Podshow. So you subscribe to a channel. I have, like, an on-the-go channel, which is all pretty short bits. And New York Times... Uh, front page is on there, and the uh, BBC News Pod. Uh, that's really my my main sources of uh, of news at the beginning of the day, because uh, that's something I can just you know download to my phone, mm-hmm. make the channel come on in, and and it's good to go. Uh, but I think I subscribe to probably about six or seven hundred different different feeds. Uh, You're you know. the only person who's beaten me. I got three hundred. Yeah, I know. And if, do I listen to them all? No, obviously not. Uh, well, you don't watch every episode of the news, do you? Exactly. Don't read every article in the newspaper. No, no. But uh, you know, I'll subscribe because I thought something was interesting or I want to track it. And you know, I do. I do come come around to everything eventually. Um, but there's really nothing. Really, those two are what I listen to religiously because it's mm-hmm. it's news. Uh, but there's other things. You know, like an aviation. There's a couple of aviation podcasts, um, mm-hmm. pilots. So I really like that. Um, you know, I have a talk channel that I set up, which is. You know, you know, I have a podcasting channel, so like you know, the Podcast Brothers and uh, uh, Today in Podcasting and that yeah. kind of stuff. And then I have a geeky channel. Well, I mean, let's face it, you got to know that stuff. Some of it. Some <laughs> of it. Well, I found you know, if you, uh, if, you if you just create a uh, you know a, a search on Technorati for your own name, you'll pretty much run into everything eventually because yeah. you know if someone's talking about you then they're connected to a whole bunch of other people I find it a really fascinating way to find out about shit that I know nothing about 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was that was Adam Curry, and I, I got to say that there was a lot of stuff that uh, you know wanted to talk to you about, and I really appreciate you being so so open about those things. You sure. know, some things that that a lot of people online think are one way or the other, and so to kind of you know clear the air, which I'm sure every freaking interview does that. It, it's good to know that uh, you're not as big of an asshole as everybody thinks. So yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> It's funny because I say to my wife, I say, what, you know, why did... You think she's feeding them information about them? No, I say, why, why do people hate me? She says, well, this is classic Patricia. Well, maybe you're just not a really likable guy. And, like, <laughs> and, I really, and we've been married for 20 years. And I'm like, well, you like me? And she said, well, you got a great cock or something like that. You know, so. <laughs> but, Requiem yeah. of the Outcast exclusive, Adam Curry has a great cock. <laughs> You, you can Google it. There's a picture of it somewhere on Google. I, I will take your word for it. Thank you. <laughs> that will not be in the show notes. I have an autographed version for you here somewhere. No, no. It's, Please put it away. You know, it's like <laughs> most people never ask me the question straight out. So I'm happy to answer it. Not a problem. Well, I, I really appreciate it. And, um, and thank you for driving for down. You drove down or up? Uh, uh, over. Over. Thank you for driving over here. I know you came a long way, so it's appreciated. Well, it was an opportunity to talk to you, and, you know, don't get that too often. So, and, and of course, you know, obviously as a, as a member of the Port City PD uh, crew, I appreciate you coming out and, and doing all of the, the work that you and, and Poncho does mm-hmm. for the project because I know I know that it's a, it's a lot of time investment, money investment, and to just to kind of know that there are other people that are noticing besides just the listeners or the, the viewers – it means a lot. And and I'll tell you, uh, and Richard and I have been talking about this, Richard Brewer, hey. Uh, Say hello, Richard Brewer. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, you know, we're pretty amazed at what's going on here. I feel like we've really stumbled onto something massive. You know, we've been, um, so we've been broadening our scope outside of, you know, podcasters saying, okay, can we find someone who's doing something else that's really interesting that, you know, we could either help them create audio or video or, you know, we're very interested in shorts. Man, it's like, this is like, this is like short, short city USA, not port city, it's short city. <laughs> Everyone's, and it's funny and it's great and they've, they've just put it together. You know, I'm going to be writing checks when I get back because I want to, I want to option all this stuff and I want to get it, get it out there and get it distribution and build an audience because there's some amazingly creative people here and, and lots of people who work on big productions mm-hmm. and you know and then there's off time you don't get the gig and they've got the know-how yeah and exactly they've, that's it they've, they've got the know-how the tools are cheap so uh, we Podcho need to do better at, at marketing uh, marketing everybody but uh, really taking this you know it's a, it's a shame when there's so much creativity it's thrown up on YouTube it's like yeah it's great <clears throat> but you know it's a, yeah, how, how does the word get out yeah, well, you know, it, it's viral, so it gets out, and a lot of people will will latch onto it. But I think the episodic nature is is pretty important, and how you grow and and maintain an audience. So, uh, and and again, being here uh, in this city has really opened my eyes as to what's going on here. I'm very excited about. Um, about what we'll hopefully bring on to the network in the next couple of weeks. Fantastic, Adam. I want to say thank you again for, for uh, giving me the time. I sure. appreciate it. And, of course, uh, w- what's your website, just in case somebody doesn't know? I think there's seven people that might not know. Uh, well, it's uh, I have three that, that I care about. <laughs> uh, Podshow.com, uh, DailySourceCode.com, and Curry.com. Awesome. Those, of course, will be in the uh, show notes. Thank you again. Right on. UberCon, the East Coast New York City metro area's largest gaming convention, is coming to the Great Lakes area. UberCon is the premier convention made for gamers and runs from March 30th through April 1st at the Holiday Inn Detroit West in Livonia, Michigan. There are tournaments and free play to test your skills against both friend and foe, or just try out new games and products. UberCon features LAN, consoles, RPG, CCG, board games, miniatures, special events, prizes, and much more. Appearing are Wayne Smith from Palladium Books, as well as Kevin Simbata, creator of the wildly popular Riffs. For more information or to pre-register, visit www.ubercon.com. UberCon Great Lakes, March 30th through April 1st. The ultimate gaming experience. The galaxy is an immense place. I, your precognitive meeting planner, will guide you through this expanse, introducing you to the Aliens You Will Meet. The Aliens You Will Meet podcast is available at aliensyouwillmeet.lipsyn.com and wherever fine podcasts are available.
Aliens You Will Meet podcast at aliensyouwillmeet.lipsin.com The soul of the city is plagued with corruption. Every day cops see death. But for the first time, I felt it. I used to believe in justice. Now, I'm on the edge. Working with dead cops is the best, isn't it? Son of a bitch! You're both lucky you still have your badges. I have no more of that bullshit. Have fun with that new partner. The hell do you think you're doing? I'm taking charge of the situation. You're making a big mistake. No, I'm correcting one. I've got a clean shot. Hold it, Mitchell. I can take him right now. You should have pulled the trigger. Port City PD is the critically acclaimed police drama made available exclusively via video podcast and can be found at one place. The number one new media network, Podshow. Visit portcitypd.podshow.com to see the show and portcitypd.com to join the community. If you thought the last show was intense, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is the Kingfish. Along with the Vicar. And Super Geek Billy. From the Geek Label Podcast. Sure, there are other geekish podcasts out there. But really, who are we kidding? Do you want your geek news? Do you want your thoughts shared across the globe? Looks like you've got mail waiting. Do you want a chance to win amazingly cool t-shirts? Well, the game is afoot. News, information, prizes. We'll bribe you if we have to. A look at any and everything from hardcore geek to stealth geek. And if you're not careful, you may learn something before it's done. Don't believe me? Then check out this completely random man-on-the-street testimonial. Hi, this is George Takei. I love listening to the Geek Label Podcast, and you will too. Get your geek on with the Geek Label Podcast. Another quality product from Geek Label. Let's go.